0: Uh, this is our fourth week in our thankful series. Uh, today's a passage of scripture that we've been kind of thankful for our topics and concepts that from, from scripture, they're just really clear about God. And, and today, what we're really looking at is a passage of scripture. And uh, it's just, I think with all of the minefields of 2020, and as we know that, uh, man, life is not going to be perfect until we're ultimately with the perfect one. Uh, but today, I'm I'm really hoping that that what we're going to be really thankful for is for Jesus' design for conflict resolution. That's right, I said that. Jesus' design for conflict resolution. Both of those words are really important. Conflict resolution. And I as I talk with pastors around the country and pastors uh, close to us, man, it just seems to be a common theme that... In 2020, one way that it seems, Lord willing, that Jesus is going to deepen his church, grow his church, teach his church things that were maybe on the back burner that he's bringing to the front burner, that it seems like this topic of conflict resolution is something that, Lord willing, he's going to deepen each one of us, teach each one of us, disciple each one of us. And I just th- thought it'd be good to think for a second about conflict resolution and in your past. Think about conflict maybe as you were growing up, conflict in your home when you were growing up. And for for some, the way that conflict was stepped into was by yelling, slamming doors, punching walls, hitting even and uh, ending up with possibly someone storming out and not seeing them for hours and hours and hours. Um, For others though, maybe everybody just went to their own corners of the house and you just waited for everything to just come down and then you kind of came back together as if nothing ever happened, you never talked about it, it was just kind of back to normal and the conflict just kind of seemed to fade away. Um, For others, maybe it wasn't either of those two. Uh, Maybe what ended up happening was that you were cut off. You were cut off emotionally. Your attention, person's presence, um, just cut you off. And the atmosphere of our age, for sure, is for conflict to not be resolved, but for conflict to be turned up, for outrage to just fuel the fire of conflict, and I don't want to only be negative though towards conflict. I think that there are really justifiable times to be outraged. Even Jesus boldly overturned the table uh, at the temple of those who were who were converting money in the temple and and he drove them out of the temple. Jesus was not always passively sitting aside. So that what we're talking about here is not avoiding conflict at all costs. What we're talking about is resolving conflict at all costs, and Jesus' heart to do this, and how Jesus is so revolutionary in something that, that seems so timely for us to hear, for us to learn, for us to be discipled in. And did you know Jesus gave us crazy, detailed instructions for how to do this? He literally did a step one, step two, step three step four. And so we're just going to walk through these steps to hopefully uh, live in a way that we can be at peace with others. And, and his directions are specifically given to us for conflict inside the church. But I think that you'll find is as we learn about how to resolve conflict inside the church, it's going to really instruct us to resolve conflict and to seek that out in all areas of our lives. Um, our state needs to embrace this our community desperately needs to walk into this that God has given us and uh, our soul needs it. <laughs> we personally don't, uh, man, conflict, unresolved conflict is not fuel for us to live on. That is not good for our souls. Actually, as we look to Jesus and he shows us how to resolve conflict and to be at peace with each other is life-giving and a beautiful beautiful aspect of what it looks like to follow Jesus in 2020. So the powerful truth that we're going to be hopefully growing from today, that I just pray that all of us, that this isn't like a message for somebody else. But if you feel like, man, I don't think there's any unresolved conflict in my life. If you feel like, man, my life is unresolved conflict, wherever you're at there, I trust that the Lord is using this for every one of us. Maybe it's some for something in the future, maybe it's something to go back into our past and to to resolve conflict with somebody. Maybe it's for a, a very timely aspect of life right now. But for all of us, I believe that what we are gonna find in Matthew chapter 18 is going to uh, To hopefully change all of us. So Matthew 18 is where we're going to be, and then starting in verse 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So this step one is you go directly to them. Step one is you go directly to the person who you believe has sinned against you. And I just want to say this is not the way it usually happens. Usually, if someone sins against us, says something that we don't like, does something that we don't don't think they should have done, the natural result is for walls to go up, and those walls are maybe going to be a wall that we attack from or maybe be a wall that forms distance, and we just let that distance grow and grow. And if we feel like we have been wronged against, I think the easiest thing to do is to go directly to somebody else. (laughs) I don't think it's the easiest to actually go directly to that person. It's far easier to go directly to someone else, to bring them in, to bring them in the way that you experienced this conflict. Get them on your side. Let them feel what you're feeling. Let them feel your outrage. And Jesus just cuts through all of that and says, nope, Go to the person who wronged you and tell them their fault. Explain why you feel that you've been wronged. Do it between you and them alone. This is step one. And I tell you what, if we truly let Jesus mature each of us here, if we let Jesus disciple each one of us to actually be able to do this, people will know that Jesus is up to something in our lives, people will know that Jesus is up to something in our community. Um, this, this could look like uh, going to somebody and saying, hey, when you said this, it really hurt me, and I just want to let you know that, and I want to go directly and tell you when, you when you said that, it really hurt me. Or it could be, hey, when you didn't include me in that, and you included a bunch of other people, I felt really excluded and I felt really hurt. I don't want things to, like bitterness to grow. I just want to let you know that. It could look like, hey, when you punched me in the face, that really hurt me. It, uh, it could be that. And if he listens to you, then look what it says. If she listens to you, if they say, Wow, I'm so sorry. I had no idea when I punched you in the face that it hurt you. Uh, would you forgive me? I don't want to be like this. I want Jesus to grow me. I want Jesus to change me. Would you even pray for me that I never do that again? If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This This is huge. Um, Even a a major conflict, I was being kind of tongue-in-cheek with a punch-in-the-face thing, but even a a major conflict going through this first step first, not fifth, but going through this first step first, uh, can even—and I've seen it happen— uh, in, in my own experience, or in community, is that this can even end up bringing people closer to where they were before the conflict, because because it's been a, a tried and, and tested relationship, and people genuinely see that that Jesus is 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 forming both of the people and forming both of their hearts towards this and towards Him, and. Uh, um, Man, the, the first action isn't to blast the person on social media. The first action isn't to have 10 conversations with other people, uh, starting with, hey, did you hear? Hey, did you hear? Hey, have you heard yet? It's, it's not to do any of that stuff, which I think will save so much pain. Um, now, there are certain sins where, uh, as Matthew 18 is happening, you may have to call the police, um, there are certain things. It's not meant to, to go around calling the police or contacting appropriate authorities or possibly getting wise counsel from, from, from me, from a pastor, from from community group leader, uh, but as much as possible, and in most circumstances, this will be a direct going to that person, and really, maybe nobody else knows about it, but God knows about it, and he, because he knows about it, is directing us here. Now, Jesus knows humanity, Uh, Better than we do. He designed us. He knows that this is the best way for conflict to be resolved in our community Um, in rural Iowa in 2020. This is the best way. Uh, And he also knows that there are times when this will not resolve the conflict. Um, Maybe someone's coming up to you, you feel like they've, they've been too sensitive and you're like, hey, I think you just need to get over it. I think you're being too sensitive here. Or maybe you just simply disagree with them, and you say, no, I, I, I disagree with, with what you're saying. Um, maybe you, deserve, you feel like what was said was deserved, or, or it could be all sorts of ways that, that that conversation does not resolve the conflict. And this is not where you agree to disagree. This is not where you say, well, I tried, And so it didn't work out. We agree to disagree, and there'll be something between us for a lifetime. And unfortunately, that happens. Unfortunately, churches have split over what I would think is minor conflict that could have been resolved by continuing to fight for following Jesus's step-by-step gift to us in Matthew 18. So here's what Jesus tells us step two is look at verse 16 here, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So step two is to get one or two others involved. And here's what's so revolutionary about step two is um, we can easily say I tried, Now that I've tried to resolve this conflict, I am free to air the dirty laundry. Now that i tried, I'm free to hate them. Now that I've tried, I am free to cut them off, or whatever it may be. In step two, though, what we're taught is to bring one or two other people in, in order to go back to the person. That is the revolutionary aspect of step two, is that we get one or two other people not to then just do this thing, but one or other two people to actually go back to the person in step two a second time. And maybe the individual thing happened one, two, three, times. Sometimes that can happen multiple times. It's like, okay, we're not getting anywhere with just the two of us. This conflict is not resolving. Now let's bring one or two other people in to keep this conversation going, to go back to the person. Um, And so here at this point, one or two maximum other people besides you are are in on this. And I want to encourage you that this takes prayer to know who that person should be and I would encourage you not to pick somebody that you know has a beef with that person too or not to pick somebody that you know, well, they really like me. Pick somebody who loves both of you and loves Jesus. And you know that, that Lord willing, what their desire is gonna be is peace among everybody. And so um, times that I've done this, it's good to, to spend some time praying, ask the Lord to show you who it is, and then don't, don't like post on, on social media and say, hey, here's what happened, who wants to go with me? Because then all sorts of people know about it. But what might be good to say is to go to someone and say, so even keep some anonymity, go to a person and say, hey, there's a person in the church that did something to me that I believe was sinful towards me. And I approached them about it the other day and I didn't feel like it was resolved. I don't want Satan to have a foothold in the relationships in our church. And so I'm I'm wanting to walk out Matthew 18 with this person. I feel like we're going towards the second step. Like we can use this language in the life of the church we should use this language in the life of the church. We should all know what we're talking about here and to say, hey, I'm, I'm seeking to walk out in Matthew 18, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to go with me at noon tomorrow for us to have lunch together and have a follow-up conversation, the three of us. Now, the person could say, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm out of town tomorrow or whatever. I can't do that. And what's good is you didn't share all of the who, what, when, where With that person, you say, okay, thanks. Would you, you know, I want to be sensitive to us keeping the circle small from Matthew 18. uh, Would you pray for us, even though you don't know the details, but just pray that this would go well. And then you can go and say a similar thing to somebody else. And then maybe you share some details if the person agrees to go with you. But I think it'd be wise to wait for that meeting even to share some of those details because this is, uh, I think this is the nature of how Matthew 18 is framing, how Jesus is framing for us to step towards each other. Um, The... um, The times I've spent part doing this, I think picking people that are neutral as possible, but are passionate about Jesus, are passionate for the unity of our church, um, typically allows all people who are involved in this to grow, all people to be discipled. It even can have those people uh, be moved in a way that they're even maybe seeking out other people after that or praying for people that they know maybe conflict is on the horizon, if uh, the Lord doesn't grow us and change us and give us a heart of love for each other, so, so um, man, uh, here I think super value is to be praying as these people are coming along. Um, you see here that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Um, man, it's important here that. Having those witnesses can be really good because sometimes what that witness might do is say, hey, I think both of you are really sinful here. I think both of you need to repent. I think both of you need to grow. In other circumstances, um, it might be of a level where having a witness there is really helpful when it might down the road be like, no, this is what happened. This is what happened. Be like, well, I was there and I don't really have a side here, and this is what I heard. And so so having that witness, the Lord has many reasons, I think, why he has us uh, come this way. And once again, the heart is repentance, the heart here is not to punish someone. The heart here is 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 that they would say, oh gosh, I am so sorry. Uh, man, would you pray for me? Would you accept my apology? I, I I don't ever wanna do this again. I wanna be changed. I want Jesus to use this to grow me. I'm so sorry. I, I hope that, that we can walk together. Um, please pray for me that I would never walk in that way again. And this can become just a, a really beautiful thing in the life of the church. But if step two, if instead of fighting against each other which would be our propensity in fighting for each other and Jesus is man he is the killer of death Jesus is uh, the commander of the armies of the Lord Jesus is is not one to sit back passively and he is actively the prince of peace and so as we are following him like yes we should be we should be emboldened towards peace. And in that second step, it's so important for us to walk into this. Now, uh, if this does not bring resolution, here is step three. Uh, Look at verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. So step three is to get church leadership involved. Here in this third step, the leaders the elders of the church are brought in for, for the hopeful resolution of the conflict. Um, up till now, church leadership could have been counseling people a little bit, but was keeping that circle to be those, those witnesses and those people close. Um, but here, there is an actual hopeful sit-down with the two parties And possibly the witnesses, one or two of the people who are brought into that with the church leadership. So so many times there could be four or five people in the room. And in the last 10 years of pastoral ministry, I've been involved in several of these meetings that got to the third step. And it was clear to everybody, like we even would read Matthew 18 before we uh, started talking about anything and just say, hey, look, this is Jesus's idea because no one's being punished here. Everybody, because of how much he cares and loves for us, is being invited into repentance and growth and change and Christ-likeness. And so... um, a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of humility should go into this third step. No one should ever go into this third step quickly. This can be one meeting. This could be, in my experience, a few meetings uh, just to give some time for this third step uh, to go because a lot is riding on the line when we're at the third step of conflict resolution. Uh, so this is, And this is never approached from a perspective of punishment, Uh, This step is always approached with a heart towards restoration. Let me say this, too, that uh, I I think this is one of the reasons why church membership is really important. Uh, We preached about this last summer. We've been talking about it as we've uh, had several, uh, many people in the church become members, and we're continuing to invite everyone to become a member. We're not saying you should become a member right away, but When you get to a place that you say, hey, this is my church home, it's become clear that that this is my church. I'm not visiting churches anymore. Like, this is my church. Um, Before I was a pastor, uh, Patty and I, and uh, we we stepped into church membership at the churches that we were a part of. And there were seasons sometimes that we weren't sure, are we supposed to be a part of this church or this church? When it became clear, we stepped into church membership. Because what can happen in this third step is— the, everybody sits down in church leadership and the person might say, oh, hey, I was just, I, I haven't really been a part of this church. Um, this is a great time for me to check out this church over here. And what I've just experienced is that that a lot of times um, people can use that as an excuse and say, oh, I'm, I was never really a part of this church. I'm a part of this church now. And I think they aren't actually running from the church. I think they're running from what Jesus is wanting to do to disciple them in this moment. And so uh, I've even been a part of pastors calling me and be like, hey, this person showed up. And I was like, really? They started visiting church? Yeah. And they're like, wow, they're like covenant members here. And they were in the middle of conflict. And uh, I remember one time the pastor was like, we'll send them back. It sounds like there's stuff Jesus wants to do there. Maybe they'll eventually be called to be a part of this church. But... If it's under these circumstances, many times someone is running. And so so even me, I'm a covenant member of Sacred Mission Church. I, I signed the membership covenant. And part of it is like, I don't ever want to run away from this church because I'm running away from Jesus. I want this church to leave the 99 and to go after me. And our commitment is to do that for all of our covenant members, knowing that, no, there's a time when they've said, this is my church. And uh, I want the Lord to use this church to grow me, to be who he wants me to be. So um, So as we step into this third point, um, the last thing I'll say with this is that it might seem unfair if the conflict is with me personally, because it's like, well, how do I, if he's the lead pastor of the church, and if I have conflict with him, and the third step is to go to leadership of the church, how does that work out? And so from the very beginning, even before we planted the church, this is on the job description of our advisory team. So they actually have a a role description that they agree to. And part of that is that if there's ever direct conflict with me, every single one of you has my permission and my encouragement even. You wouldn't need my permission, but you have my encouragement to go directly to our advisory team. Yes, they do love me personally. I love them and they love me enough. And uh, have been in pastoral ministry even longer than I have. That that they would have no hesitation to call me to repentance. And so uh, I encourage you to do that. It, you sometimes just be like, Hey, could you send me the email addresses of the advisory team? And uh, and man, that is a good thing in the life of the church because it's actually leading us, Lord willing, to uh, a peaceful. On mission together, church that uh, that has fought for unity and for peace. So, uh, but here's what happens if step three is not working. Even verse 17 continues, and if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector. Now, I've I've only been a part of. Um, conflict, Matthew 18, resolution. I've only been, of the many times that I've been a part of this in 10 years of pastoral ministry, I've only three times in 10 years uh, gotten to this place in a situation. And uh, so thankfully, most times people are convicted by the Holy Spirit. They're really broken at this place. It's a really big deal. Uh, And mind you, in in this verse that we just read in Matthew 17, Sorry, I'll pull it up here. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This was written by a tax collector, Matthew. And so he is aware of of the tax collectors being uh, seen as the worst of the worst in their society. And what this is saying here is that if the person is bullheaded at the one-on-one encounter and they're refusing to repent... If then, uh, as two even friends are in the room and calling for their repentance and they refuse, uh, I've been part of that where it's just clear that, uh, man, the person just bought a whole group of lies and are just staking everything on that and not on people who really love them in the room. And then if it gets to step three and uh, there's no repentance, there, there's, no, there's no change Um, that then what you should do is treat them as an outsider. Don't treat them as a brother in Christ. Treat them as you would um, an atheist. Treat them as you would someone who is far from God. And even in rare rare situations, I've only been a part of this in a situation one time in 10 years when we were in Portland, Oregon, but uh, this even led to us getting a restraining order and not allowing a person to even come onto the church property um, because of the, the the nature of the conflict and because of repeated refusals to repentance and to change. Now, the hope here is not to punish the person. It might feel that way, but the hope here, the heart behind this, the heart behind Jesus saying this here, is not to punish the person. Uh, church discipline should never be punitive. It should always be restorative. The hope is to restore the person. The hope is that their physical separation from the church under a rare circumstance, would you say, well, shouldn't people always be invited to the church? I would say yes, this is a very rare circumstance where the person is so spiritually separated from being in good standing with the church and from what we would say being in good standing with Jesus. They're so spiritually separated from that that the church needs to physically show them the nature of their spiritual separation. And this this is step four. This is step four, that they are outside of the church and the church is praying for them. The church is fasting for them. The church is hoping and hoping and hoping. The church is praying and praying and the church is awaiting a change of heart the church is awaiting the person to take the initiative and to reach back out, to get the people together who hopefully continued to to pray for the person. And hopefully if a meeting comes where the people get back together and the person repents, all are quick to forgive as I've been forgiven. All are quick to celebrate welcoming the person back into good standing with the community. Uh, Verses 18 through 20 are just absolutely incredible as, um, as this section gets wrapped up. Look at this here. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. What this is saying is when you get to step three and four, God is saying here, whatever they come up with, I am there. Amen, this is, uh, this is, is heavy, this is serious, this uh, takes the utmost amount of prayer and fasting to actually step into this because of what God is saying here, but what he's saying is if the leaders of your soul, if those leaders of the church who will stand before God and be accountable for their shepherding and for their leadership, if, they, if those leaders agree on earth about the nature of this conflict and the way for this conflict to be resolved, what he is saying here in verses 18 and 19 is that if those leaders agree on earth, assume that it's agreed in heaven. I mean, wow. If they agree on earth, assume it's agreed in heaven. And verse 20 has been taken way out of context so many times for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. I've personally heard people in prayer meetings, I've probably even said this in prayer meetings in the past too, where it's like, well, there are three of us here. I guess we can pray now because God's here to hear our prayer. Um, That's taking Matthew 18, 20 totally out of context. This verse is built for this moment, for conflict resolution. This is the context of this verse. And what God is saying here is that, and and yes, God is present in our prayers. We don't, we, like, We should pray and he is present in our prayers. But what he's saying here in verse 20 is when you get to step three, when you get to step four, and the people involved are gathered with leadership of the church, where two or three are gathered in that step, I am there among them. I am there leading that. I am there directing it. And it's crazy that he would say that, but it shows consistency in his heart towards us. And it's the very nature of the hope that we have and the very nature of the joy that we have is that our God cares greatly about conflict resolution. He really cares about this. It really matters to him, which is why I think we should take very seriously any conflict or divisiveness that arises in our church this year, next year, the next year, is because his love is so revolutionary. It shouldn't surprise us because Jesus' coming was all about conflict resolution. That was why he came, was conflict resolution. Um, Our sin, all of our sins, brought conflict between us and God that could not be resolved by any simple means the one who was sinned against, God himself, the second person of the Trinity, actually came to receive the full punishment of our sins. We were unable to fix it. There was nothing we could do to fix it. He is able. His life lived in our place. His death, his resurrection, when we deserved wrath, he brought eternal peace for all who bow their knee to him, who all who call him Lord. Uh, And man, I would just say, would you give your life to him if you have not up to this point? We've been talking a lot about conflict resolution inside the church and just know this is at the heart of our God to resolve the conflict between you and him. Your sins separated you from him. His life has brought that back for all who bow their knee to him, all who give their lives to him. And because of just all of the conflict for those of us who are followers of Jesus, all of the conflict that that has been forgiven of us, all the conflict that the Lord paid for by his blood, all of that conflict, we need to be so quick to say we're sorry. So quick to not hold grudges when he doesn't hold them against us. Because of the peace we live under as forgiven followers of Jesus. Uh, It's revolutionary love. And... uh, I would love our kids to see that in us, that uh, what we feel from Jesus, that they get to see that and like, man, the way my parents are now, um, I I used to hear them talk about like just kind of, I don't ever want to have anything to do with that person again. And now they're like going through all these steps to resolve conflict, like what's going on? And for our community to see that. Our community needs to see that because they'll see a real Savior really changing us and saving us and giving us a new way to live. And this is an amazing time for us to learn these things. It will break generational sins. It will be a light to our soul. It will be a light to our families. It will be a light to our community. And Lord, I just pray that you would do that in us. Would that be a gift that you give us at the end of this year is would you disciple us in conflict resolution? Would you prepare us for future conflicts, Lord? Would you not give us um, weary souls here? Would you give us a fresh passion to advance your mission here as we are being changed so we can say, follow me as I follow Jesus? Lord, we we just give this all to you. Would this be a sweet aroma to you as we hear and as we are changed and as we look to you? Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. All right, well, let's stay checking in on each other. Uh, It's been really good to be together. Feel free to comment below. Uh, Let's keep praying for each other, and I hope to see you in person next Sunday.